Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Do you stop long enough to access the wisdom of your soul? Have you ever considered how deeply we are all connected and how if in the moment you really took the time to realize how much you can hear that you may actually be able to access something innate within you and that something is spiritual telepathy. Special people such as famous artists, scientists, business, and religious leaders, are not the only ones who have the ability to contact the subtle world. It's possible for each of us to build our own bridge to the soul and tap the universal flow of wisdom and knowledge. Accessing the subtle world is a step-by-step process that begins with the refinement of our physical, emotional, and mental bodies. When we purify the physical body and learn to calm our minds and emotions, we create an unimpeded channel for the flow of information from the soul to the brain. Physical ailments, fatigue, and mental or emotional static will deflect the subtle currents of thought emanating from the higher planes, making it hard for our brains to register higher wisdom and ideas. I want to introduce to you the author of a new book entitled Spiritual Telepathy, some of which that came from. Her name is Colleen Moreau, and she was the founder and editor-in-chief of Intuition Magazine. Her 30 years of experience in magazine publishing includes work as a publisher, editor, advertising director, and marketing consultant. A lifelong interest in the untapped powers of the mind led to the launch of Intuition Magazine and now to the creation of this book. Spiritual Telepathy introduces readers to the ancient mind training techniques that will allow them to access the wisdom and guidance of their own souls. These techniques, once taught in the ancient mystery schools of Egypt, Greece, Babylon, and India, come from a body of knowledge known as Ageless Wisdom. As the wisdom teachings tell us, the soul is our gateway to the higher worlds. Through the soul, we have access to the universal or divine mind where information on all subjects can be found. What you have to decide is are you going to make the outer world more important or are you going to make the inner world the focus? What I can tell you is if you make the outer world the most important to you, then you're going to keep playing in that illusion. But if you allow yourself to tap into the depths of the inner world, you will uncover gifts such as spiritual telepathy that will recreate the outer world into a more beautiful experience for you. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Colleen Morrow to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome, Colleen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. This is a beautiful book. It is a wonderful way for individuals, whether they are people that have been on the path for a while or people that are just starting to discover that there are methods of connection, listening, seeing, um, and deepening their process of self and others. And so I want to start off by really understanding what got you to the place of recognizing that you engaged in spiritual telepathy and that this ancient wisdom is something that we can all tap into? Well, it started actually with the creation of Intuition Magazine. In the late 80s, I was living in San Francisco, and I had worked in alternative magazine publishing for several years, and I suddenly found myself without a job and was trying to figure out what to do. I had already worked for all the magazines I liked, so I was a little stumped about my next step. 
And I spent my days researching new magazines and worrying about money because I was unemployed. And one morning I woke up and decided that I needed to take a mental health day, that I would give myself one 24-hour period where I wouldn't think about the fact that I was unemployed and running out of money, that I would just enjoy the day. It was October, my favorite month in San Francisco. And I would go out and plant some bulbs in the backyard and just putter around. And while I was doing that, I had a type of an intuitive experience that I'd never had before. A thought, the Center for Applied Intuition, just suddenly flashed through my mind. And I had always accessed intuition through feelings or body-based sensations. But this was a purely mental experience. The words seemed to have been dropped right into my brain. And I immediately knew that it wasn't my thought, and it certainly made no logical sense. I knew about the center, and I had met Bill Couts, the founder, but I couldn't imagine why I would go there to look for a magazine job. He had a two-room office, and he ran intuition trainings and sent intuitives out to do business consulting, but it really made no sense in the context of what I needed. So I mulled it over for a few days and then decided to call him and ask him to send me information about the center's activities. And a few days later, a large manila envelope arrived, and I dumped it out on my dining room table. And inside, there were several brochures and a very simple typewritten journal called Applied Sci. And this was the quarterly publication that he sent out to the center's 200 members. The journal was about the subjects of intuition and creativity. And as I flipped through the pages, I thought, wow, this could be a real magazine. It would have to have a new name and be spiffed up. But this is a subject that I thought would appeal to a wide group of people, way beyond the center's small membership. So I made an appointment to talk to him. And when I sat down with him, I gave him my idea. And he just lit up and said he had always dreamed of turning that journal into a real magazine, but the right person had never come along. So I went home created a proposal, came back the next day, and I was suddenly launching a new magazine. And uh, I got two issues out for the center before he closed it, and then he signed the rights over to me, and I later got a grant and set up an office and hired a staff and ran it until the year 2000. And when I think about it now, there are several interesting things about this story. One is I never would have gotten there through rational process. It never would have occurred to me in a million years to go to him if I was looking for a magazine job. I got something better than what I was looking for, and I couldn't have seen in the next decade that there would be a flood of information on the subject, and the magazine really provided a focal point. So that was my experience of spiritual telepathy, and that is is defined as communication from the subtle worlds, from our own souls, or from even higher levels, and communication from these levels is always telepathic. We don't audibly hear the information. The information is just dropped into our brains where it's formulated into thought. And after I closed the magazine, I started to study the Ageless Wisdom teachings and came upon the teaching on spiritual telepathy, and I realized that this was the next step, that it's a higher type of intuitive perception. Um, Some call it the higher correspondence to our personal intuition. Our personal intuition provides guidance about our day-to-day lives, but when we access the soul, we have a more reliable and higher source of direction and guidance. The soul knows our higher purpose. It's our divine partner. And so it's a higher level of perception. And it really seemed to me to be the next step in the intuition work that I had done in the 90s. Well, I want to back up to something that you said. And and um, the piece of the story was that your own logical mind would have, or your own rational mind would have not gotten you to that place. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's one block that a lot of people use or that helps them to get stuck is we keep trying to solve our problems or keep trying to move ahead in life by use of the logical or rational mind. 
And we can't solve a problem with the same mind that it was created with. Right. And so by, by stepping out of this logical way of thinking and even believing there's something beyond the mind, just that step alone opens us to the inquiry or the possibility of something more. So how did you get out of your own way in terms well, of the rational or logical mind in that moment? That's a really good point to bring up because what I did is I just sort of went offline, so to speak, because I was trying to figure it out rationally. I was looking for new magazines and trying to figure out what the next step was, and it wasn't until I sort of disengaged from that and just decided to, to give it up for 24 hours and just enjoy the day that the information was there. And in the book, I talk about how silence and solitude is really important to hear the voice of our souls, and I think that that's a good illustration that I couldn't figure it out rationally, that I had to just be quiet and, and just sort of spent the day just sort of being and when the information then was just given to me. And that means that there's a certain level of receptivity that's involved when we are, are wanting to open to something or even tap into our spiritual telepathy, that stepping back or that willingness to just put things down. Um, is that part of the process towards the receptivity and the spiritual telepathy then coming in. Yeah, and as I mentioned, I, I encourage people to take time alone every day, to take a walk without their cell phone, to sit on the back porch, to do gardening, just to, to, be, to be quiet and allow the information to flow in. But the actual um, process of training our minds is really a step-by-step, day-to-day process. And we do this through the daily practice of what's called creative meditation or Raja Yoga meditation. And many meditation practices focus only on quieting the mind. In this type of meditation, we go a step further. And we actively train our minds to transmit information from the soul to the brain. The information has to reach the brain to become part of our conscious awareness. And it's in the same way that our homes are wired for telephone and Internet connection This type of meditation allows us to create the threads and cables that will link us to the higher worlds. And we do this by projecting our attention upward to the soul day after day, and it's visualized as a star about six inches above our head. And as we do this, we anchor small threads of energy that will eventually, thread by thread, form a symbolic bridge between the mind, the brain, and the soul. The bridge is called the Rainbow Bridge or the Bridge of Light in the Wisdom Teachings. It's called the Antakarana in the Hindu text and the Straight or Narrow Gate in the New Testament. As I researched the subject, I realized that every um, spiritual tradition has some sort of training that allows us to make contact with a higher world, that this really is a universal teaching. Now, quantum scientists and the science of epigenetics is starting to really realize that if we allow our brains to experience more if we use that faculty of creative imagination and visualization in our process of meditation that we create new brain synapses and we actually do create more of an infinite possibility than what the mind can achieve. Through your book, you have discovered the very same thing that scientists are coming upon now and it is in the Ageless Wisdom teachings. It is in the ancient texts of the Egyptian, the Greek, the Babylonian, and the Indian. And as you move through your own research to come to this information, could you talk about what some of the real core principles you are that you found amidst all of those different civilizations that helped you to really string together the concepts of the book Spiritual Telepathy? Well, that's a really good question. Before I started the book, I thought very carefully about how to best present this information because the source material is esoteric. 
And I wanted to reach a wider audience than those that are already reading these kinds of books. And I realized that it had to be, um, there had to be some research and, and some facts to make it more credible to this wider audience. And so I looked for the parallels to this training and this teaching and other traditions and found that they're absolutely everywhere, that this teaching is, in fact, the core teaching that, that um, exists at the very heart of all religions. And every tradition has some sort of mind training practice that allows us to do this. And it's pretty much the same process in both the East and the West. And it was interesting to, to research this. And in one of my chapters, I sort of lay it all out. And I think it's, it's pretty clear to people that this is universal. So I want to move into, you talk about it bridging the lower mind and the soul, and that really is the next step it, 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 in, in our own soul evolution and the evolution of the planet. It really does involve a variety of bridges, uh, either outer or inner. So this bridging of the lower mind and the soul allows us to then come, become pioneers in our next stage of human development. And when we're looking at being pioneers and really aligning the soul and the human mind, what is it that then starts to occur? What is the new level of awareness that becomes possible for us? Well, when we take our first steps towards the soul, we're actually taking our first steps into the subtle world and out of the strictly human world. And it's then that our consciousness expands beyond the physical world. And what is so interesting about this is that when we make contact with the soul, everything changes. We lose our sense of separateness and realize that we're part of one great universal life, the soul of humanity. And it's that point that we understand our interconnection with everyone and everything. And you can imagine how the world would change if a critical mass of people made this shift. Barbara Marks Hubbard has written that those of us on Earth today are the crossover generation, that we're responsible for leading the way from one stage of our species evolution to the next. And Eckhart Tolle talks about this too, but in more stark terms in his book, A New Earth. He writes that as a species, we have the choice to evolve or die. They both say that evolution happens as a result of some sort of crisis that propels or forces us to make a leap forward. And Tolle uses the example of an amphibian who's forced to develop the ability to live on land after its habitat dries up. Our own habitat is in trouble now, and we're faced with that same need. Our world is full of conflict. We have weapons that can easily extinguish the human race. So we need to make that leap, not onto land, but into the subtle worlds, which is our next stage of human evolution. So as you move through this uh, creation of this book, and you started to delve into um, some of the work, one thing that you found was that the number seven is a pretty significant number, and numerology or certain numbers do mean specific things. But the seven you found to be highly visible in many of the sacred teachings and throughout um, our own planes of existence. Talk a little bit about the significance of seven and how it runs throughout uh, well, various levels that, of our being. The Ageless Wisdom teachings is going to wonder, why is everything seven? There's seven initiations, seven chakras and so on. It just goes on and on and on, and it's also repeated in the physical world because we have seven days of the week, seven seas, seven um, visible planets, 
seven major organs in the body. So I thought, why is everything seven? I think most people do. And I finally found an answer in Helena Blatsky's book, uh, The Secret Doctrine, which is not easy to read, but um, there's an abridged version that makes it much easier. And what she said made sense to me. She said that the square has long been the symbol of the physical world, that it represents the four directions and the four races of man, and the triangle has long been the symbol of the spiritual world, the trinity, which actually shows up in every religion. And if you merge um, spirit into matter, you have consciousness or life. If you merge the triangle into the square, you end up with a seven-pointed star, which represents the alignment of heaven and earth, which is said to be our human destiny, that it's, it's our destiny to make that contact with the higher worlds so that the higher energies can flow through us to the lower planes. And then the whole of creation, the whole of the physical world then evolves. My guest today is Colleen Morrow, and we are discussing spiritual telepathy, ancient techniques to access the wisdom of your soul. This is a book that will allow you to understand at a more basic level and in a deeper level what many ancient wisdom teachings state. In the classic book, Pantajali taught a system of mind control called Raja Yoga, which focused on the higher potential of the mind. Pantajali taught that the mind has two levels, the lower or rational mind and the higher or intuitive mind. The soul, our gateway to the higher worlds, is the link between our higher and lower minds. And when we train the lower mind to make contact with the soul, the soul transmits information from the higher mind to our brains. We then have direct access to the subtle worlds where information on all subjects can be found. This is from the book Spiritual Telepathy, and you can find out more about Colleen Moreau, many of her events and other interviews at her website, spiritualtelepathy.net. We'll be right back with Colleen Morrow. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, 1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts and topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Why spiritual spelunking? Why tending to our inner garden? Why devoting time to inner being when so much external doing calls upon us? An Indian sage put it wisely, your own self-realization is the greatest service you can render the world. Join host Jeel Asselin as he serves as both guide and companion on the journey within. Nurturing the spiritual spelunker in all of us can be heard every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. When we build a bridge to our soul, we become part of a growing army of practical mystics. Our feet are on the ground, but our minds are trained to access the subtle realms where higher levels of wisdom and knowledge can be found. At this time of upheaval and change, we need access to these higher sources of wisdom and guidance as never before. As Albert Einstein famously said, the problems in our world cannot be solved by the same level of thinking that created them. The catastrophic problems we face today require a higher level of wisdom and insight. You too can tap into your spiritual telepathy. I'm talking today with Colleen Morrow, and she is the author of this book, Spiritual telepathy provides readers with a step-by-step method for contacting the soul and accessing the universal wellspring of inspiration and knowledge. This author draws on a variety of spiritual traditions and explains how the new science validates these ancient teachings. Colleen shares her own experiences and introduces readers to others who have also used these practices. When we contact the soul, our life purpose becomes clear. Each of us has a task a contribution to make to the world, and as Eckhart Tolle and others have told us, we are all urgently needed. When we invoke the magic of our souls, we take our place among the pioneers who will lead the way to a more peaceful, sustainable, and compassionate world. You can find out more about Colleen Moreau and spiritual telepathy at spiritualtelepathy.net. Welcome back, Colleen. I want to talk about um, the age that we're in, in each era of our our humanness, we have focused on a particular part of our being, and it seems that we are in a time of the mind, uh, a time of the mind where it can go into chaos and a time of the mind into its potentiality if we allow ourselves to focus in on that. Can you speak a little bit to this age of the mind? Sure. Uh, It says that um, in our human development, we go through many stages, first stabilizing the physical body, then the emotional body, and now the mental body. And so in our time, we focused on the development of the lower mind, and we really have brought the lower mind to the very peak of its powers through our educational, ed- educational institutions. And so now the next step is to make that contact between the lower mind and the soul, which, as you mentioned, then opens us up to even higher levels. The soul is the portal to the higher worlds. And when we make contact with the soul, then we have access to the universal or divine mind. And this is really significant because when we do this, we can actually become intermediaries between the physical and spiritual worlds. We can pull in higher levels of wisdom and knowledge, both for our own lives and to be used in whatever our individual service is. And it's then that we become the arms and legs of God, so to speak, that we do our divine work on earth. Now, we use our emotions and feelings in part of this creation process, and our emotional plane is the bridge between the mind and the physical body. So what part does that play in the process of developing our spiritual telepathy? Well, we're actually moving beyond that. We develop the physical first, then the emotional, then the mental. And the emotional realm really is the realm of psychism. And that's considered um, not as reliable as when we move our attention up to the mental plane. 
what Patanjali and other ancient spiritual teachers have said is when you start this process, one of the first things that happen is that you become more psychic and that this is, this is just a stage. It's not sort of the end game, but just a stage. And I found this to be true with myself. And we all know from having years of psychic readings that they're not always completely reliable. But when we, when we access the mental plane, then we have direct access to the higher worlds. And it's then that we can pull in information that is, it is reliable. We're not sort of swayed by our emotions and, and um, the emotions of others. And so the solar plexus has been of key importance in a lot of particularly science studies in terms of the development of a new brain from that area and also the power that we utilize from the solar plexus as the central sun of our being. Talk about the relationship of the solar plexus to our spiritual telepathy. Well, each chakra has a relation to a certain type of telepathy, and um, the solar plexus is sort of the, the highest point of the human. And that, um, that center is related to the emotional body. And again, that's the center of psychism. And I think that that's mostly the focus of where the scientific um, research on uh, telepathy and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, clairvoyance and um, remote viewing and so on. It's mostly a solar plexus kind of experience. But we can go higher, like I said, and we do this by pulling our energy up from the solar plexus to the heart. And the heart is really the borderline between the physical and spiritual worlds because below the heart we have the three physical chakras that relate to our human experience, and above that we have the three spiritual chakras that relate to our spiritual experience. And so when we move our attention up to the heart, that's really when we can have access to the higher worlds. We really have to move it up before we can actually practice spiritual telepathy. Otherwise, what we're doing is is psychism. Like I said, it's not as as high or not as reliable. So as we ground the energy and then we push it up through the system, through the spinal column and up the chakra system, and we, we... really energize that um, force through the heart and up through the column into the crown, and we allow the development of our own ability to go into infinite possibility and dream a new dream and imagine things that even are beyond what the mind's capacity is to hold. We start to create those threads that you talk about. We start to create the ability to open to a new awareness, to a new ability when we do that type of thing in terms of spiritual telepathy, what is the next step in terms of really tapping into the genius that we all have? We are each here as a unique genius. We each have a specific gift for the planet. We're each a puzzle piece as part of the divine puzzle. And so how do we then open up that greater expanse of spiritual telepathy to access that unique genius? Well, this is something interesting. Uh, the wisdom teachings, again, tell us that the soul is the portal to, or gateway to the higher worlds, and that when we make contact with the soul, then we have access to the universal or divine mind. And so I started to look around for examples of this experience, and it was, this was an exciting moment for me. One of my favorite books was called Higher Creativity. It's written by the late Willis Harmon, who was the former president of the Institute of Noetic Sciences. I think it was written in 1984. And in this book, he looked at the biographies of many artists, writers, composers, scientists, and inventors, and discovered that their greatest achievements came from an intuitive breakthrough. And he has quotes from these biographies all through the book. 
And so I read it again, and then I looked at his original sources, and I read the full text of some of these interviews. And when I did, I discovered that many of the people we call geniuses talked about their creative process in exactly the way it's explained in the wisdom teachings, that it was through the soul that they had access to this universal flow of information and inspiration. One of the books was called Talks with Great Composers, and it was written by an American violinist who lived in Europe. I think it was written in the late 1800s, but not actually published until the 50s. He had an agreement with Brahms not to publish it until after his death. And in this book, he interviewed Puccini, Brahms, Strauss, Wagner, and other well-known composers about the source of their creative genius. And I was really fascinated by the consistency of their experience, because each one spoke of the soul as a portal to a universal flow of information. And once they were connected to the source, the ideas and images simply flowed into their brains. And I have many of these stories in the book. Um, I have stories of writers, composers, artists, um, painters scientist. Uh, Einstein, of course, is one of the best examples that we have of a scientist having this experience because he talks about how the mind takes a higher plane of knowledge and it's that experience that allowed him to make some of his um, most important discoveries. And it was interesting that after he died, um, pathologists dissected his brain trying to figure out the source of his genius. And he must have thought that was funny because the brain is just the receiving plate. It's not the generator of the experience. And they came up with some theories, but I think that the real, the real experience is what he told us in the many quotes that he left, that it's, it's a higher process, that information just flows into the brain. He called it a happy accident. But this is an experience that I saw over and over when I was reading these biographies. So you talk about illumination as being a state of pure intuitive perception and that it's actually the highest type of spiritual telepathy. Is this the type of spiritual telepathy that these artists, composers were engaging in uh, when, when you talk about some of their genius coming out? You know, it's really hard to say because there's, there's sort of subtle levels of it. Um, I think the best examples of that state of illumination have to do with the transmission of our spiritual scriptures. And in each religion, there is some sort of um, experience. Um, the Hindus say that their, their text of their Vedas came to them through non-human means, that they just received it. And um, the angel Gabriel, of course, um, talked to Mohammed, and um, Moses went up to get the information and came back, you know, with his, his sort of face, just sort of a flame from the experience. So you can find it sort of as, at, at the, the very heart of each of our traditions, this, this exact experience. Now, as you go through the, the chapter where you really start to introduce spiritual telepathy and illumination and some of the deeper concepts in regard to that, you move through several different types of telepathy. There's anything from, from us speaking with animals to mental telepathy, Talk a little bit about or pinpoint any of those that you want to. Are these steps towards that place, or are these just various ways and techniques that individuals are now tapping into? Well, it says that there's three types of telepathy, and again, you can relate them to the chakra system. The lowest is instinctual or feeling-based telepathy, and we share this type of telepathy with the animal kingdom. And this relates to the solar plexus center and the emotional body. The second is mental or mind-to-mind telepathy, and that utilizes the throat center. And the highest is spiritual or soul-to-soul telepathy, and that utilizes the higher head centers. 
what I like about this teaching is that it illustrates the progression of our perceptual abilities from the instinct of early man to the intellect of modern man to the pure intuitive knowing of future man. And we're right at that doorway now where we can take that step beyond the physical into the superhuman worlds. You can also think of it as body, mind, and spirit. So it shows the progression and that we can make that step. That's what I think is so exciting about this work, to realize that our evolutionary process has taken us to the point where we can take that step now beyond the physical into the, into the subtle worlds. Part of that process requires us to refine ourselves on the physical, emotional, and mental levels. So when we're talking about this refining process, you do go into some things that is often spoken about, but many times people don't take the time to do them. And, and one of those processes is forgiveness. Another has to do with compassion. When we look at the world and we look at what's taking place in the world and it's increased in chaos, what has to take place in that refining for us to truly start to bring in that, that level of spiritual telepathy to, to move out of this area of chaos, in your opinion? Well, this is actually part of all spiritual traditions, and all um, traditions have some sort of refinement practice. And all the, the methods can vary from tradition to, to tradition, but the requirements and goals are exactly the same. Purity of body, control of the emotions, and stability of mind. And uh, control of the emotions is the hardest. Jack Kornfield has talked about this a lot, that when he started to teach meditation, he discovered that at least half of his students were unable to master even the basic concentration exercises because they had so many unresolved emotional issues. And he's been a real pioneer in bringing Western psychotherapy into Eastern spiritual practice, that he had... um, 10 years of therapy to deal with his traumatic childhood, and that many of us need these practices, and I certainly did. When I started to get really serious about quieting my mind, what I discovered is all kinds of things came bubbling up, and one of the most troubling were um, people that I had trouble forgiving, and some of it was pretty old stuff, and I was getting so frustrated that I started to work with a wonderful spiritual healer named Stephen Lumiere, and his prescription for me, so to speak, were three meditations that he asked me to do every day. One was on loving kindness, one was on forgiveness, and one is on, was on compassion. And as I did this week after week after week, I really started to um, quiet down. I found it easier to forgive. My heart started to open. And at that point, I was ready and able to meditate more deeply. Most meditation practices focus on quieting the mind, but when we do this work, it makes sense to work from the bottom up that quieting the mind is actually much, much easier if we can quiet the emotional body first. And um, many of us need this sort of um, thera- therapeutic work to be able to do that. It's, it's not easy, especially, like you said, in our chaotic, wor- our chaotic world. There's a lot that can throw us off balance, and we have to be able to get to that quiet place. Well, and when we have these emotions racing through us, whether we are conscious of them or whether we're holding them beneath the surface, when we don't do the forgiveness or have the compassion for those that we believe have harmed or wounded us, that acts as static um, in terms of our ability then to connect to the subtle bodies, the subtle realms, to our own soul, to even have this spiritual telepathy, wouldn't you think? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you can imagine... If we have the physical body and above us in the subtle worlds, we have the emotional body and the mental body, and there's information that needs to come from the soul directly to our brains. If any of those higher bodies are sort of 
vibrating with static, the information is not going to get through. And um, I had so much trouble with this forgiveness thing that one day I went out and I checked every book. I went to the library and I checked out every book I could find on forgiveness. And one book was especially helpful that people might want to get. It's called Forgiveness is a Choice, and it was written by Robert Enright. He's considered the, the forgiveness guru. And he brought up a point that you just mentioned, that we can't really forgive somebody until we can feel compassion for them. And that's something that I never thought about. And that really kind of turned the tide for me. And I have um, all these exercises in the book, all the ones that really helped me. And there's a great forgiveness exercise that Stephen Lumiere uh, taught to me, where we actually imagine that we're standing in someone else's shoes and, and looking at it looking at the world through their eyes, and we can understand more about why they act the way they do. And at that point, we can, we can be more compassionate, which does make it easier to forgive. I was really, really stuck on this. And what I wanted to do with the book is not only to do a step-by-step, but also talk about my own process, because I was learning this as I wrote the book. So I wanted people to see what the steps actually were and what kind of work we can do to, to get ready. So if you're looking in the mirror and you cannot forgive or have compassion for what you see, then step into the mirror and put your feet in their own shoes and take those that have wounded you or harmed you and allow yourself to walk their path. When we make contact with the soul, our life purpose, our service to humanity becomes clear. Each of us has a task, a contribution to make to the world, and at this critical period, we are all urgently needed. As Colleen shows you in her book, Spiritual Telepathy, Our most celebrated creative thinkers, those people we call geniuses or visionaries, have all had the ability to access the higher worlds. But it's not just the famous that she introduces you to. It's ordinary people who have gained access to that universal wellspring of creativity and inspiration, people who are living a life of spiritual purpose and service. And now that person can also be you. I invite you to access spiritual telepathy, ancient techniques to access the wisdom of your soul by Colleen Moreau. You can find out more about her and this book at spiritualtelepathy.net. We'll be right back after these messages. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. 1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. 
Engage with experts and topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized. So you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome back. I want to invite you to explore the new 1111 magazine. It is the same but different. It is exciting and new and will take you into the bridging of dark and light, love and fear, everything that is in the opposite, and allow you to recognize that they are actually all one. So I invite you to explore 1111mag.com and you can be accessing the new issue as it comes out later this month. The man many call the father of modern science was also a serious occultist who studied alchemy, numerology, astrology, and biblical prophecy. Many believe his study of alchemy was key to his scientific breakthroughs. Newton's methods of discovery was to hold a problem in his mind for hours, days, or weeks until the answer was revealed. As Newton himself put it, I keep the subject of my inquiry constantly before me, and wait till the first dawning opens gradually, little by little, into a full and clear light. My guest today is Colleen Moreau, and we are talking about her book, Spiritual Telepathy. Colleen has 30 years of experience in magazine publishing and a lifelong interest in untapped powers of the mind. In 1988, she launched Intuition Magazine, which offered research and how-to information on the ways of knowing such as intuition, inspiration, and telepathy for the general reader. Now she has launched this book, Spiritual Telepathy, and it is a wonderful book, very important, in assisting that you recognize that you're receiving higher intelligence all of the time. It is about tuning into this intelligence and sharing it with one another that is of great practice now. Welcome back, Colleen. I want to speak a little bit to that, um, that paragraph that I read just now about Newton and the subject of inquiry. Um, I find that when we stay in the inquiry, when we allow ourselves to contemplate, that that is part of a process of opening to the higher mind, opening to ideas and thoughts that we normally wouldn't find with our own rational or logical mind. Can you speak a little bit about the process of inquiry and contemplation in spiritual telepathy? Sure. And it it goes back to the, the mind training practice. When we start to build this bridge, then we have this this source um, I interviewed many people who are longtime practitioners of the Ageless Wisdom, and one person said something interesting. He said that um, once the bridge is built, it's like hitting a, um, a key on your keyboard. The information just flows in. And um, what we can do once we train the mind and once we build that bridge, then we can sort of send our inquiry up to the soul and then just quietly wait until the information trickles down to the brain. So as individuals start to move into their subtle bodies, I know that there are things that start to happen. What, what takes place energetically as we open up more and more 
to our higher chakras, to spiritual telepathy, to even just playing with the subtle bodies in a deeper sense. Well, when we approach the soul, when we send our attention upward day by day, we increasingly come under the influence of its higher vibration, and our own vibratory rate starts to speed up, and this speeds up our evolution. And I've noticed this myself. It's a very subtle process. It's even a little hard to put into words, but it's made me feel like a bigger and better person. I have more joy in my life. My heart is more open. I feel more tolerant, and um, it's changed my life in a tremendous way. And it said that when the vibratory rate of the mind and brain matches that of the soul, then it's possible to enter the higher worlds at will. And Jesus was a very good example of this. And this is considered the high prize of esoteric training. And it's our repeated contact with the higher worlds that, in the end, produce a new type of human, the soul-aligned human being. And it's then we become the pioneers as we lead the way to the next stage of our human development. Yeah, when we talk about being in that state, meditation for it to truly be effective requires persistence and it requires regularity. Can you speak a little bit about to your own process of developing um, both of those things to increase your own access? It absolutely requires a daily practice. And what I've experienced, and other people have told me this too, that especially in the beginning, basically we're creating an energetic bridge. And when we stop, even for a few days, it starts to dissipate, and we have to do it all over again. And I had as much trouble with this as anybody could. And I talked about this in the book too, about how I didn't want to jump out of bed and meditate. I'm not a morning person. I like to wake up slowly. And most of my adult life, I was uh, involved in deadline-driven magazine work, so I had to jump out of bed. And I finally had this period where I could sort of honor my own rhythms. And so I didn't want to get up immediately and start to train my mind. And so I had to work with myself and find a way to, to make it work. I know that if I force myself to do something that I don't want to do, sooner or later I'll stop doing it. So what I do is I give myself about 20 minutes after I wake up to read a little bit and just sort of wake up slowly so I have that experience, and then I immediately start to to do the meditation. If I wait too long, it's too hard to quiet the mind. So it's something that really should be done the first thing in the morning when the brain is is, um, not so energized by the day. And um, in the New Testament, it said that we take heaven by storm, and I think what this means is that it's our determination our day-to-day knocking, so to speak, that eventually opens our worlds. And what's exciting to me about this is that the mind then becomes a tool. It becomes our servant rather than our masters, and we can train it to our worlds. It becomes like our own individual search engine, our own Google, and we can send it out into the cosmos, gather information, and then have that information downloaded into our brains. And I think that this is a, a huge service something that improves our own life, but we have the ability to access higher levels of information that we can then share with the world. Well, and I also, in in mentoring people, I try to really convey that it's important to to get out of bed and have a space that you go to Mm -hmm. so that you really are allowing yourself a, a place that you're anchoring that vibration and that you're kind of setting an intention and the attention that this is the practice that I'm going to do right in this moment. Is that part of what you did to develop your own ability to stay focused and to deepen this level of meditation? I do think it's important to meditate in the the same place because it builds up a vibration. 
that actually makes it easier to go into these deeper states. I've had many house guests meditate with me in my particular area, and they have all said that it's, it's much easier to go deeper. And we don't really need a special room, but we need our own little location where we can create our own little tiny temple. I actually do it on a couch in my office in a particular spot, and I only meditate in that particular spot. So it does create this vibration day after day. Now, when we talk about the children that are coming in and their degree of increasing spiritual telepathy, there is a shift that's that's taking place, and it's been written about in the ages, and the planets are aligning, and there's a deepening of the energies, and even a new kind of child that is increasingly being born that is more open to this type of thing. How do we support our children? How do we support ourselves in not um, placing the restrictions and the beliefs and the cloudiness that perhaps lay within us as society and parents upon these new children. Well, it's interesting that what's happening is that these kids are being medicated in in huge numbers. And I think that their brains are a little bit different. It's said that um, our contact with a higher world actually physically changes the brain over time, that it becomes more receptive to higher levels of information, subtle levels of information. And um, I think that that's what's happening with these kids, that they're coming in with these brains that are a little bit different. It's easier to access higher levels of information, and it's harder to learn by rote. And that's why they have to be medicated to um, function in our particular educational system. So I'd say some sort of curriculum that actually honors that ability to access those higher realms and, and not force them into this old way of education. You, you talk about everyday geniuses in the book, and you really speak a lot to us allowing that to come through. If we allowed ourselves to see these children as they're coming in as everyday geniuses, and rather than guiding and directing them as to what we think they need, whether it's education or whether it's medicine, and really allowed ourselves to listen to them, are we, are we listening to open channels when we listen to our children? I think we are. I think we are. And in, in moving towards that type of stewardship of our children and of this earth and even of our own practices of meditation, talk about becoming a world server. Well, it's said that one of the first indications of soul contact is a sense of responsibility. And I've noticed this in my own life that you start to lose that fierce personal ambition. It starts to seem not so important anymore. What seems important is what you can do for the world. And so as I said earlier in the book, that we each have some sort of task that, that um, we're here to, to give to the world. It's, if it's, sometimes it's raising kids, sometimes it's doing more active work in the world. But when we contact the soul, the soul knows our higher purpose. And so we have that information. And then we can go out and do our service no matter what it is. But we, we can become everyday geniuses. We can create this bridge so we're bringing in high levels of information we can bring in new inventions more beauty uh, answers to some of the the, uh, seemingly unsolvable problems that we have now so doing this is not only something we do for our own personal development but it's a service that we can give to the world and in my own experience there's really no greater feeling than to feel like you're you're um, playing out your higher purpose that you're doing what you came here to do And as we anchor more into that service to the world and and choosing the we instead of the me, we invite in more community. We open ourselves up to engaging in a larger fractal that 
not only supports us, but supports the higher cause. Are there any, any things that we can do in terms of our own connection to soul or spiritual telepathy in drawing that community in towards us? Well, I think that we start to, we start to just automatically gravitate towards that. It said that we each have kind of a soul group that, comes, that we come in with that is doing something similar. And I think it just it becomes easier to attract that when we're doing our own particular higher work. Are there any other particular key points, Colleen, that you want to mention? We're kind of closing out towards the end of the show and just have a minute or two left. But if there's something in particular that's a real strong message that you want to bring out that was um, truly the impetus of, of you writing and, and creating and, and putting out spiritual telepathy, what would you say that is? I'd say that this can change your life. It certainly changed my life, and it can change the world. And we're at such a, a critical juncture that I think unity consciousness is really the only only way forward. It's the only thing that can solve our mess in the Middle East. And so each of us who do this are are providing a great service to the world. And each of us who do this make it easier for those who follow. It's sort of like Sheldrake's morphic field. It just sort of becomes part of the the culture and makes it easier for people. So it's really essential work at this point and a great, great service. My guest today has been Colleen Morrow, and her book is Spiritual Telepathy. I invite you to tap into her website, which is spiritualtelepathy.net, and you can find out more about this book, more about any of the workshops and events that she has planned, in addition to accessing archived issues of Intuition Magazine, Spiritual Telepathy, Ancient Techniques to Access the Wisdom of Your Soul. Next week, my guest is Lyric Ferguson, uh, Lyric Benson Ferguson, and we are going to be talking about her new book, French Kissing God, so definitely come back for that poetic, wonderful nuance into into the connection of the soul and its romance with God. You can also access 1111 Magazine's new issue and any of the other 1111 Talk Radio archives by going to my website, imsimran.com. Until next week, in love of love, with love and as love, I am Simran. Be well. you for opening your mind to a new reality your heart to greater compassion and your experience of aliveness with 1111 talk radio join host zimron next monday at 8 a.m pacific 11 a.m eastern time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the voice america seventh wave channel remember you are not on the journey you are the journey Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. 
For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 